legislative update. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Madam Chair and Directors, I'm Michael Pimentel, legislative uh, and regulatory advocate with the with Shaw Yura and Schmelzer and Lang, uh, here today to provide uh, to you a year-end state legislative update. And before I jump into my prepared presentation, I just want to reflect that much like the success at the federal level, this has been a banner year for Santa Cruz Metro in our state capital. As you know, well, this year delivered for the agency uh, its first Transit Intercity Rail Capital Program grant, uh, just under $40 million to move your hydrogen uh, bus program forward. Of course, also includes a variety of other elements that I'll touch on in just a moment. Uh, but you also did receive new legislation, uh, which has been topic of discussion this morning, uh, that would actually authorize you to move forward with a new local option sales tax, a transaction and use tax, uh, and provide you all uh, with some greater operational support in the years ahead. Uh, now, I do want to just acknowledge that much of that success, I think, owes to the progressivism of this board, uh, the work that you had done uh, early in the tenure of CEO Tree to outline the priorities for the agencies. And I think there are a lot of ways in which the priorities that you have identified for this agency align well, have congruency with the direction of the state, primarily at the California State Transportation Agency, California Resources Board, and that is why we have seen the level of uptake and respect for the agency uh, in this last year. Uh, and then finally, before I jump into the formal program, I want to just remark that CO Tree has taken a very direct role in engagement in Sacramento, meeting with your legislative delegation, meeting with the state agencies and departments, and really building that through line between the work that's happening here at the local level and, again, those statewide priorities. And so I'm going to touch on some of those successes as I move through today's pro program, or rather presentation. Uh, but what I'm also going to highlight for you are a variety of process and then uh, big successes, albeit from a broader statewide perspective, uh, throughout this presentation. And so as a matter of process, we'll just note that the state legislature has been on recess since September 14th. And when they adjourned for that recess, uh, that was ending the first year of the two-year legislative session. They will be back in Sacramento on January 3rd for the start of the second year of the two-year legislative session. Now, after the adjournment on September 14th, that did kick off a 30-day period for Governor Newsom to evaluate all bills that were provided to him in the final weeks of legislative session. Now, in total, not just in the final weeks, but over the course of the year, he reviewed over 1,000 bills. He signed 890 of them. And so he had a rough effective rate of vetoing 15% of the bills uh, that crossed his desk. Uh, many of the vetoes uh, that were issued related to bills that would create new cost pressures on the state in a period where we've just gone past a $30 billion budget deficit, as we look out ahead, we know there will still be some additional uh, budget challenges for the state. He did not want to create new pressures on the budget, box in the legislature and his administration on what they could do in the years ahead to resolve the budget, and hence many of those vetoes. And as you'll see in my presentation, there were several bills that were put on ice because it would have created some budget pressures his administration intervened, talked to the legislators and said, if you send that bill to me, I'll veto it. 
many put those bills on hold. Now, there's been some major developments in the state capitol relative to legislative leadership. Uh, we have seen the transition uh, in both houses uh, and the ascension of two new leaders. Uh, in the assembly, we've seen the ascension of Assemblymember Robert Rivas uh, to the role of the Speaker of the California State Assembly. It's notable, of course, because he's a member of the Metro legislative delegation. Uh, and we've also seen on the Senate side the ascension of Senator Mike McGuire uh, to the role currently of President Pro Tem designee or designate. He will be assuming the role of Senate President Pro Tem at the start of next year. Now, why this is remarkable beyond just the reality that Mr. Rivas is a member of your legislative delegation is, is that it's the first time in decades that we've seen a non, I should say, non-large uh, urban legislators take the helm of their respective houses. It has been for many decades a uh, matter of musical chairs between LA region, San Francisco Bay, and San Diego. You'd have to go back to the most recent example of, of Cruz Bustamante from Fresno being the head of the California State Assembly, where we'd have a smaller than large urban uh, representative heading these houses. And so what that means is that we're likely to see a reorientation in the considerations that the houses assert on matters of transportation expenditures, housing, many other areas of policy to recognize what are the needs of smaller urban areas, rural areas of our state, uh, and that may pro provide some balance to, again, what has long been the dominance of LA, San Francisco, Bay Area, and San Diego. Now, I'm going to touch on the Budget Act of 23-24 because this is one area where, stepping back, this was a success for the broader California transit industry, the transit agencies across the state, and that will deliver some meaningful benefits uh, to Metro. So the Budget Act of 23-24 uh, was something that included a variety of components. There's some transit funding, there's statutory relief and accountability requirements. I'll go into detail on what those mean uh, in particular. And then there was a base of infrastructure streamlining proposals that were advanced by Governor Newsom and then ultimately taken up and resolved uh, by the California State Legislature. And as I launch into precisely what we received in terms of transit funding, what I want to acknowledge is that as we started this year, the level of funding that was provided to California transit agencies was not in any way preordained. The reality is that we entered a year with, again, $30 billion budget deficit. Governor Newsom let out with a January budget where he proposed to make a $2 billion cut to the state's transit interstate rail capital program, which would have had cascading impacts to regions and agencies across the state. And what ultimately resulted in the success this year, which again I'll go over in just a moment, was the advocacy of California's transit industry, largely organized by the California Transit Association, of which Metro is a member, and their direct engagement with the legislature on a daily basis to emphasize the importance of those investments moving forward. So with regards to funding, much of that is captured, all of it is captured under AB 102, it's what we refer to in Sacramento as a budget bill junior. It's a bill that makes adjustments to the main budget bill. And what it did was it restored against that, again, threat of a $2 billion cut, the $2 billion for the Transit Intercity Rail Capital Program that restored that program's capacity, a two-year capacity, to $4 billion. 
And that is also historic, not only because of the funding levels, but because it is the first time the state has actually committed state general fund dollars to supporting these types of major capital programs uh, here at the state level. Now, I'll note for you that the money for the TIRCP, uh, as I'll refer to it because it's a bit uh, more abbreviated than the longer name, uh, would flow out through a new structure. Normally, TIRCP is a competitive grant program. The four, roughly $40 billion million that you received this year was from that competitive end of the TIRCP. This will be a formula distribution. And it goes out to all regions based on population. And it includes, for the first time, this also part of uh, the store of the advocacy of the association, some flexibility to use that money, general fund supported, formula based, for operations. And so in instances where transit agencies have dire fiscal situations, like SF BART, you can flex that money toward resolving those issues as you also consider your capital program needs. There was also then the addition of $1.1 billion for the zero emission transit capital program. These monies also flow through a formula basis, moves through population and revenue, uh, and a structure, a formula that is consistent with the state transit assistance program in its distribution. This money too, while it is ostensibly for zero emission transition, vehicles and infrastructure, can also be flexed for operational needs. Now for this agency, and I should say for this region, the total uh, level of investment will be about $35 million over four years. Uh, we'll note that uh, there's a typo here. It should be SCC, RTC receiving, of course, that balance of funds and then making sub-allocation decisions for the agencies in its region. Now, I'll highlight that with regards to this money, there is a structure for the investment. I noted some agencies facing dire fiscal situations. The state wanted to make sure that if you are an agency that is facing some very uh, strong headwinds, not able to provide your operational services, that you would be directing some of those monies toward operations before you really start to consider your capital program, your capital needs. And so what they did is they established, established under SB 125 an accountability framework. And that has the regions, the RTPAs, working in concert with the transit agencies to de develop a series of financial plans and reports that stipulate to the needs in their region, operations and capital, and that also will, will highlight the particular projects or services to be funded with the region share of money. State will be reviewing and then ultimately reviewing or intervening in certain cases to make sure that these investments are going to uh, ends that ultimately drive agencies and the regions toward greater financial sustainability, greater ridership growth, just recognizing that never mind if you're facing an operating, operating deficit, many agencies are still operating at below pre-pandemic levels. Many of them have pre-pandemic, or rather lower than pre-pandemic ridership levels. And within this base of this bill, there were also a variety of other measures that were taken uh, to extend statutory relief measures uh, that were instituted in 2020 and 2021 out through fiscal year 25, 26. Those were pandemic related statutory relief measures. While the pandemic from a public health perspective has largely subsided, the long coattails of what it has meant for, for example, work from home has, has meant that some of the underlying basis, so reality that ridership isn't where it once was, still obtained. Hence, the legislature extended that statutory relief through 25-26. But on that 
note, I will mention that that extension was not a blank check. And the state legislature said, if we are going to extend that statutory relief for additional years, many of the statutory relief measures, as I'll touch on in a moment, talk to the efficiency of the, the systems, they do want to see some longer-term reforms developed, ultimately implemented. That will happen under a new Transit Transformation Task Force, which will have, under its charter, review and ultimately reform the Transportation Development Act. So to be precise with regards to statutory relief, uh, there are uh, these two middle uh, provisions, suspension of the financial penalties for TDA, suspension of financial penalties for STA. That's just acknowledgement that under current law, if you are agencies who are not meeting fare box recovery thresholds that are defined uh, by where you are located in the state or the nature of your, your system, or if you are a system that is uh, with uh, growth that outpaces uh, simple inflation adjustments for your expenditures, you can be dinged. And you could find that your level of, of funding decreases or has new limits on what it can be expended for. And again, recognizing inflationary pressures, ridership declines, those were suspended further. And then there was this hold harmless provision which speaks to allocation of STA dollars, state of good repair, and low carbon transit operations program dollars. I mentioned STA has as one component a review of the revenue base for the agencies. To be candid, there are some agencies for whom the revenue basis has not uh, found itself recovered. As a result, those agencies would see a massive reallocation away uh, from them in terms of funding that would compound their financial challenges and hence the state extended that relief. The final one just provides some flexibility to use monies that are otherwise identified for state good repair for operational purposes. That would be state of good repair. So state transit assistance, state of good repair dollars. They're uh, formula dollars, but limited in use. And then finally, as I, I conclude on the state budget, the Transit Transformation Task Force, uh, it's one that will be convening in January of 2024. Uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be reviewing things like the Transportation Development Act reform, but it's also going to take a much broader and holistic review of public transit to see where the state can step in in terms of funding or policy regulatory mechanisms to support agencies in the recovery. So I'm going to uh, move through a, a bit of legislation just to highlight some of the things that have been on Metro's radar over the past year, uh, things that I've worked with uh, CEO Tree and his staff to identify, monitor, and then engage on. And I'm going to start with, of course, Metro's sponsored legislation, SB 862, uh, by Senator Laird. Uh, this is a bill that, is, as we've discussed in, in brief note, uh, authorizes Metro to move forward with that transaction and use tax that exceeds that 2% combined tax rate in Santa Cruz County. Uh, and that was necessary, as, as you, you well know, because we had two cities within uh, the county that were at the cap. And in order to institute a new tax, all jurisdictions within a county have to have the capacity to absorb that tax. Again, two didn't, and hence the need to increase that cap. So the legislation does afford Metro the ability to go after that, uh, uh, that um, half percent uh, sales tax, uh, and then that does provide some flexibility, uh, recognize the interest is to move in this next year, but there is the ability to go back in future years because there is some flexibility to 
move that legislation or rather that uh, local measure forward uh, through January 1, 2035. Of course, that was signed by Governor Newsom. Then there was a bill that we've been tracking because Metro has taken such a, an aggressive and, and progressive stance on, on housing, particularly uh, housing with natural nexus and uh, proximity to public transit systems. Uh, this is uh, SB 747 by Senator Caballero. And this bill would make some amendments to the Surplus Lands Act to resolve some of the issues that have long been uh, a challenge for transit agencies in terms of their disposal of property uh, and how it is that they can utilize that property for different ends. And so this bill does create a series of changes to that body of law. It creates a path for the transit agencies to develop parcels for com commercial use. Uh, I'll observe in the conversations that were had around operating deficits for the agencies, the restoration of uh, the state funds for capital. One of the questions that often came up from legislators was, why aren't you doing more commercial development at your stations, your stops, uh, not acknowledging that they had put a prohibition uh, from agencies actually doing that type of commercial development near their stations that has been lifted. And then because there has been some, some questions around precisely the definition of disposal, the bill does create some clear definitions, provides greater guidance to the state's uh, Department of Housing and Community Development on how they should administer uh, that review, and also does clarify what exactly constitutes an, a, an exempt parcel, uh, just recognizing that you may be entering into lease agreements. If you are entering into a lease agreement that is under uh, 15 years, that would be exempt as uh, as disposal because you're using it for a short-term purpose. Uh, and this, too, was signed by Governor Newsom. Now, I want to highlight one bill that, unfortunately, was, was held in the Appropriations Committee. Uh, and this is a bill that would have addressed something that's become more of a concern for agencies across the state and that, of course, has a natural, uh, very recent uh, issue or, or challenge uh, for, for the agency here. And this is a bill that would uh, address uh, agencies' access to electricity uh, during natural disasters, during rolling blackouts that could be instituted, for example, by PG&E under their PSPS program. And under current law, a hospital, a fire department, a police department has what they call an essential use customer status. That means that if there is an elective decision to turn off the power, those entities would see that they are last in the queue to have their power turned off. And PG&E will make some decisions to redirect resources and make sure that those essential services continue to operate because of their public safety, their uh, criticality to the public. Public transit doesn't currently have that same uh, designation. And of course, that is going to be a challenge as agencies transition to zero emission technologies per state mandate. We've acknowledged uh, at the state level uh, through the advocacy that not only is there that challenge because of that transition to zero emission technologies, but it becomes more acute when you consider things like the role that agencies play in emergency response. Of course, Metro has played a pretty concerted role in emergency response in, in recent history. And then finally, as I conclude, I've got just a, f a few more bills that I want to highlight. Uh, one is AB 610 related to fare-free transit. You know that we had some conversation this morning about Metro's fare-free program. 
Uh, this is a bill that would have created a new state program, youth uh, transit pass pilot program, would have uh, driven agencies to form new partnerships with educational institutions, K through 12, community colleges, UC and CSU, uh, by way of uh, providing new funding to the agencies uh, if, again, they enter into agreements with educational institutions. Uh, and a lot of the structure here would be things that would naturally complement the work that uh, Metro does with Carrillo College, with UC Santa Cruz, would be able to provide additional resources for, one, facilitating the fare-free programs, but in instances where they exist already, allow for the agencies to actually use some of those monies to stand up better services to those educational institutions. So not only is it free, but it's more frequent, it's more reliable, and that could, in theory, increase ridership further. This bill was made into a two-year bill, going back to my comment about fiscal cost pressures, intervention by Governor Newsom. His administration had clearly outlined this program, despite its merits, did not get funding in the state budget, didn't have a line item associated with it, and it would just only create a new cost pressure in a future year. He suggested to the author that they make it a two-year bill, meaning we can continue to have conversations in the second year of the two-year session, but don't send it to me because you do, it would be beat out. And then finally, we'll close on uh, measure ACA1, uh, which is notable because uh, this is something that has been on the legislature's agenda for many years. Uh, they've strong, had a strong interest in reducing the vote thresholds from the current two-thirds requirement to 55%. Uh, they were able to accomplish that this year, albeit with limited parameters. Uh, this uh, allowance, uh, provided it is approved by the voters in November 2024, would reduce the vote threshold, but only in instances where all of the monies from that measure are being used for capital projects. Uh, so things like affordable housing and public transit projects, not for operations. Uh, now, there was, of course, some interest in seeing that brought into operations, but I will just reflect it was a very fragile a balance of legislators who ultimately got to the point of saying yes on this measure, uh, and there wasn't really appetite from the author's office uh, in making modifications to the measure uh, in a way that could have jettisoned its success in the legislature for this year. And so that concludes my presentation for today. I'm happy to take any questions or comments from directors. Uh, back to the bill that was stuck in the appropriation.